The following talk was given by Bear Gokhan Bonabakar at Zen Mountain Monastery. Gokhan is a senior monastic at the monastery, where he serves as director of operations. He also oversees the monastery's burgeoning fruit orchard and helps run the National Buddhist Prison Sangha. This talk, like all of our talks, is offered free of charge. If you would like to make a donation or to find out more about our online programs, visit us at cmm.org. Thanks for listening. This is from Shantideva. Thus with patience I will strive with diligence, for in such diligence enlightenment is found. If no wind blows, then nothing stirs, and neither, neither is there merit without diligence. Diligence means joy in virtuous ways. Its contraries have been defined as laziness, an inclination for unwholesomeness, defeatism, and self-contempt. A taste for idle pleasure and a crave, craving for repose and sleep. No qualms about the sorrows of samsara. Laziness indeed is born from these. I wanted to talk today about virya. That's a Sanskrit word, which is in this passage translated as diligence, but is often translated as effort. Effort is one of the perfections, one of the paramitas. It's part of the Eightfold Path, one of the seven factors of enlightenment. Ashantideva says, it is through effort that liberation is found. If no wind blows, nothing stirs, nothing happens, nothing changes. And this is why we do what we're doing, why we do sashin, why we do intensive training, intensive periods of practice. Because with more effort, with more sitting, can lead to more concentration and deeper concentration, which can lead to insight, to letting go. It is often during periods of more intensive practice, that things shift. We see into something we haven't seen into before, some aspect of our self, of our conditioning, that we pass through something, we let go of something, maybe that we haven't even realized we were carrying, that we were working with. It's usually during session that we, as I sometimes say, we explore new territory in our meditation, in our mind. That's kind of an amazing thing about practice is that there is always more new territory to explore. And we learn how to do session, how to do intensive practice. Those of you who are doing one continuous thread must be learning how to do that form of practice. You have to learn how to practice intensively. We're given guidance in this, the precautions. 
in how to work with our body, our speech, our mind, in order to deepen, to deepen our concentration, and to develop our compassion, the precautions say. How do we practice in a way that is, that is helpful, that's healthy, that is skillful? And that's different for each one of us, and different at different times, different in different circumstances. But something to explore, something to lean into. For those of us who do a lot of session, to experiment. Are there places where you can push? What happens? What happens when you relax in some way? I remember many years ago, Myotai Sensei talking about there being a sort of eagerness to get into the Zendo, an eagerness to come to Zazen, to take our seats. And I heard that, I've tried to cultivate that. I found that helpful. And seen that there are times when that becomes me um, kind of rushing to get into the zendo or feeling like just more sitting. And that that's sometimes been a place where relaxing in my mind, relaxing in my attitude, I've actually seen things opening. I was also remembering Daito Roshi once in a talk, um, saying that he would watch us from the Doksan room while we were doing outside Kinhin, and that he could see the people who were looking around, not really doing Kinhin, and that he could see the connection. He could see in the Dok- who came into the Doksan room. Very simple, very direct. Remember when he said that? He could tell what worked. What is the effort and concentration in doing kinhin, bringing ourselves to what we're doing? We learn how to do intensive practice. And then in doing intensive practice, we learn how to practice outside of session also. We learn how concentrated we can be. And then we know next week, that's still available. We can learn from the form, from the precautions that is still helpful outside of session. Virya is, sort of has some different aspects to it. It's a number of different translations. So there is effort. It's also translated as energy, strength, courage, vigor, perseverance heroic perseverance, persistence. 
And then also enthusiasm. This is Miotai's eagerness, zeal, and joyful effort. I think it's important to hear these last ones. Joyful effort. We can cultivate these different aspects of virya and use them at different times when we need them. In the teachings, it's pointed out that effort can be wholesome and skillful, and it can be unwholesome, unskillful. Right? Effort in itself doesn't do anything. It's how we apply effort, how we use effort. And so, along with the emphasis on the need for effort, there are a lot of teachings on what is wise effort, what is skillful effort, what is the right balance. And so there's the classic teaching from the Buddha, speaking with a, with a, um, a musician about effort and asking the musician, well, how is it when you tighten the strings of your instrument too tightly? It doesn't make music. And what if they're not tightened at all? It doesn't make music. The Korean master Sung San took that and said, not too tight, not too loose, but try, try, try. Suzuki Roshi said, what we're doing here is so important, we'd better not take it too seriously. And even Shantideva, who can be pretty intense, says that he'll strive patiently. He says that diligence means finding joy in virtuous ways, joy in practicing skillfully, joy in practicing, practicing well. So how do we use effort? What is right effort? We all have ideas about effort, about how our practice should be. There's lots of room for self-criticism around effort, frustration, fighting with ourselves about our effort. And so just in hearing this short passage from Shantideva, some of the words in the passage, laziness, inclination for unwholesomeness, defeatism and self-contempt, idle pleasure. How did this land in you? With noticing just how does that land? So I don't think he's trying to shame us. 
He's trying to rouse us. Really, he's speaking to himself. He's trying to rouse himself. And is also just offering us teaching from his experience. Pointing to these human tendencies that we have. Lack of enthusiasm is the other side of joyful effort. Not caring about the sorrows of samsara. Not, in a sense, caring about our suffering. Not noticing. He's just encouraging us not to be stuck there. It takes effort to work with that. Getting confused by pleasure and desire. Indulging, turning for, to pleasure, to rest. Turning away from practice. Just pointing out that tendency that we have. We all know these, we all know laziness, we all know times of not caring. We feel like we can't do it and maybe then feel bad about ourselves. And so what is helpful effort in those moments? What is joyful effort, enthusiasm in those moments? Pay attention to the kind of tyranny of, of, of shoulds. I should be. I should be. Or if this is wrong, the way I'm doing it is wrong. We can have a whole new set of shoulds that we learn in practice. I shouldn't be thinking. I shouldn't be fantasizing. I shouldn't be doing more than one thing at a time. Who is this voice? Where did these ideas come from? Is this helpful? Maybe it's helpful at times. Is it helpful? When we're practicing because of a sense of should or of duty, what happens? How does that work? When we're practicing with enthusiasm, what happens? Wanting to see something new wanting to be awake, wanting to take care of our pain. Then what happens? What is our intention? What, what is the motivation behind our effort? When we see ourselves falling into right and wrong, into should, shouldn't, good or bad, how can we shift that to what is skillful, what is helpful? Sometimes translated as wholesome and unwholesome. It's hard to hear even these very different terms as, and not make them into good and bad. In my mind, it's like I miss that sort of bite of judgment. 
but it makes all the difference when it's not right and wrong. It's just what is helpful, what is skillful, what is liberating, loosening. When I was first here at the monastery, um, Shishin Roshi, who was um, a Dharma brother of Daito Roshi, so sort of a great, great, great uncle now. He came and did a retreat, and I, I liked him. I was kind of impressed with him. And um, he, The first night, he um, was just kind of talking about what he had learned from Zen, learned about practice. And with this big voice, he said, just keep going. Whatever happens, just keep going. He actually said two things, but I can't remember the other thing. This is the thing that stuck with me. So persistence, diligence, perseverance, regardless of how things seem to be going, to just keep going, to trust. Trust. How do we learn that trust to just keep going when it doesn't seem like, when it seems like it's just struggle? How do we practice with enthusiasm when we can't see what's happening? Can't see that anything's happening. How do we trust? takes time to learn that. So we need faith. I think we always need faith. Sayan said something yesterday about faith, faith turning to confidence. And so we do verify for ourselves. Session can be a struggle. And then maybe coming out the other side, we realize, oh, yeah, but something has shifted. I saw something. Things do shift. But I'm not sure that we can make them shift. I've never been able to do that. It's always seemed to me that I should be able to do that, to just kind of like, and like push through something. And maybe some people can do that. But what happens then, even if you could do that? The way we practice is creating the way we live. We're developing habits. So what do we want to cultivate? And of course, we bring our habits to practice. I think it can be helpful to look at that. How did you learn? What have, what have you learned in your life about effort? 
how to make an effort? What have you learned about perseverance? What have you learned about success and not success? And so I was thinking about that. And I think that there were some habits that I brought to practice that were helpful. I knew, I knew about, I had learned from other endeavors to, to work, to persevere, to do things by myself and persevere by myself. And I also had some habits about of sort of working hard and at the same time kind of setting myself up for not quite meeting my expectations. And so I brought that with me. And particularly to Sashin. Sashin was such a struggle for so many years because I wanted so badly for something to happen, for things to change. And, you know, Dido used to talk about Kensho, about realization, and I didn't know what he was talking about, but I wanted that. And I would practice hard, I think, and come to the end of session and be so disappointed, so upset with myself. I felt like I had failed. But what had I failed at? What was it that I couldn't do, that I hadn't done? I remember working on Cohen with Dido, working on Mu with Dido. And I would go in and I would just say, you know, I don't have anything to say. I don't know. And he would be like, how do you know you don't know? Just try. try. Like, how do you know you haven't seen anything? Because I didn't know what I was trying to see. And I've you know, experienced over time that, you know, when things do shift, when something does open up, it's not what I expected. It's never what I expected. It's never what I imagined. Kind of how could it be? A lot of times it's something I didn't even know I was working on until I realized that something had shifted, something had dropped away. And so in leaning into our effort, we learn about our effort, about how to, ha- what our habits are, and then learn what's, what's skillful, what's actually helpful. Joseph Goldstein says, effort is unskillful when there's a forcing of the mind, when there's some idea of gain and a mind full of expectations, rather than an openness and receptivity to what is already there. And in sitting practice, he talks about efforting. When are we efforting rather than 
relaxing our mind, letting go. So this is a place to, I think, constantly pay attention to. Because we do have to exert effort. We do have to try. We do have to learn concentration. But this tendency to want something and to have an idea of what that something is, or having some experience to want that again, to make that happen again. Charlie Rinpoche says, we need to learn how not to make an effort to attain a meditative state. Just practice. Just practice. Don't worry about whether it leads to a particular state. Sayan talked yesterday about aging. I'm turning 50 soon. And I've been feeling that. Um, I think freaking out about it a little bit. And reflecting. You know, I still, I feel young inside but I will not be young again. There's no denying that, feeling that, how much time has passed, how many years are not coming back. And reflecting on those years of my life and feeling like I don't have many regrets of things that I've done I like where I find myself. I was thinking that I do, I do have some regret of how much time I have spent in fantasy, sort of lost in my mind. It's a habit that I learned young and that I've worked, had to work hard to turn to let go of. And I think I'm maybe noticing this because I feel like something sort of shifted recently again. And so I noticed that. You know, it's been a long, um, path to learn that that's not what I want, to learn that what's here, my actual life is more satisfying and interesting. Even when it's not very exciting, it's more real, it is real, and it's where I can be whole and meet myself and meet you, my actual experience.
I'm feeling that just makes me feel a new sort of urgency and some enthusiasm, some interest. What is this life when I get really close? What is this? And why do I pass it by so often in my mind? Interested in that too. And what does it take to choose what's here, to turn to what's here? Last week, Gikan and I offered a, a seminar on Zoom. And right at the end, um, this woman who asked a question about entering. She was, turned out she was, uh, had just, just done beginning instruction the last week. She was brand new to practice. And she was like, you know, what's this? Everyone keeps talking about entering. What is this entering everyone's talking about? What does it mean to enter? And I didn't really have a lot to say. I was like, that's kind of the question. That is a good question. I read recently the story of Wu Tzu, who was a cook in the monastery. They were working in the kitchen and in the steam above the pots, Manjushri appeared. And Wutsu took his big spoon and beat Manjushri and said, go away. Don't distract me. Most of us are distracted by much less exciting visions. But this teaching is so, this teaching of, to just this very basic teaching that we hear all over and over again, just do what you're doing. I feel like I say it so much. What is that? How do we enter? What is this pointing to? What kind of effort does that take? And even having had a taste of what it is to enter, Why is it so hard? Why do we keep passing that by? Hard to believe that that actually is the heart of our life. What is it that we want? What is most important? During the online ZTW intro weekend last weekend, we, um, the participants did online caretaking, or they did caretaking at home. And I was talking to some of them after, after that, and one of the women had cleaned out her fridge, and she had had such a joyful experience of cleaning out her fridge. She was so excited about that. 
And she just said, you know, I took my earbuds out. I just cleaned my fridge and it was amazing. So we talked about that a little bit. You know, it felt like it, it had been a bit of a leap for her just to like take her earbuds out, actually be in silence, do this very simple task. We recognize that our activities are wondrous in their simplicity and are no other than the path of enlightenment. We say before our work service, during our work service, do we recognize this? Do we actually recognize this? That each moment is full and complete and wondrous. A lot of the time we don't. But the teachings are pointing us there. Look there. What is it that we can enter there? Where does effort and intention come together in that moment? As I was working on this talk, I kept sort of hearing Mizumi Roshi in this I never, I met him just barely, so I've just heard about this. But that he, what he used to say was, let us appreciate. There's a book of his teachings that his students put together and they called it, Appreciate Your Life. What I've heard is what he actually said was simply, let us appreciate. What was he pointing to? What is that mind? Does that take effort? What is that effort? So let us appreciate. For more from the Mountains and Rivers Order, visit mountainrecord.org, where you'll find interviews, media reviews, essays, and the latest news from Zen Mountain Monastery, the Zen Center of New York City, and beyond. You'll also find a link to our new print journal, which is simply called Mountains and Rivers. The journal features articles from MRO teachers, stunning photography, and insightful conversations. The journal can be purchased from monasterystore.org. Thanks for listening.